Building off of our first episode, the World Cup preview, we wanted to provide a quick update before taking a, uh, a fast and a kind of depressing look at the U.S. men's national team failure to qualify for this year's World Cup. But first... To the byline. It's in! It's an up goal! It's a gift! Oh, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his calf. Got no chance really the keeper. Astonishing position to get the ball. Alright, so today is May 14th, 2018, which means we are exactly one month away from the worst World Cup ever, which the only reason I actually know that is because my birthday is the same day as the World Cup starts. I would definitely not be counting down to when this World Cup starts. So kind of to give you an update, Eric, what's going on with the squad lists? Well, a couple... Couple of nations have announced their 23-man squad list. Uh, the final uh, due date for your your squad list is June 4th. That's when you actually have to give it to the FIFA. Yep, the uh, the FIFA. A <laughs> um, couple of the the big nations like England, Port, and Portugal, and France and Germany are announcing this week. I believe Germany is on Tuesday the 15th, with England the 16th, and then Portugal and France coming out Thursday the 17th. Uh, so we'll be definitely keeping an eye on that. I also wanted to mention, um, some of you may be asking, why are we doing a follow-up episode one week after our initial episode? Uh, full disclosure, that episode was recorded in the beginning of April, and uh, we had some technical difficulties You know, bringing on the support staff, being able to help us edit and distribute the podcast. Yeah, basically our intern... Took forever to upload it, but I promise you that the turnaround time will be better, even though I'm in really no position to make that promise. So, um, moving on, um, a couple of the squads that have already announced their full roster, uh, you know, not, not a lot of the, the big key players, uh, with the exception of Brazil, they went ahead and, and called in their, their full 23 already. Were there any interesting talking points or thoughts you had on that, on that roster? So, Brazil have included Neymar in their roster, who was recovering from his metatarsal injury a few months ago. And from what I've seen, like, on Instagram and Facebook and stuff, you know, he's been dicking around and dribbling, and he looks like he's kind of good to go. Just, you know, just watching him, like, juggle balls and stuff. But Donnie spends a lot of time watching men juggle balls on the internet. <laughs> that is an actually accurate statement, unfortunately for me. I still think that Brazil are a better team without Neymar. I stand by that. Yeah, this is... I mean, we want to make... No, we don't want there to be any confusion. This is still an anti-Neymar podcast. But uh, it looks like he's going to go to the World Cup, which means Brazil certainly will not win it now. Well, they're definitely not feeling their best team. Because, okay. as our, our listeners may remember, we... This is not a, a joke take, either. We honestly believe Brazil would play better team soccer or team football uh, without Neymar in the lineup. But an interesting exclusion from the lineup is, of course, Danny Alves, who did tear his ACL like a week ago. Yeah, about a week ago, tore his ACL, confirmed out for the World Cup. It doesn't take a, a doctor to really uh, make make that call. Um, 
any thoughts on any interesting thoughts on on Brazil? They do have a, a pretty talented lineup, as as we've said in the past. We think Brazil is talent through the roof. We just don't know about their ability to play kind of team soccer. But I, I'm looking especially at that midfielding core. Um, they've got Casemiro, Fernandinho, uh, Coutinho, William, Douglas Costa, Paulinho. Yes, Paulinho, Barcelona's best player um, in the last decade, probably. Probably. Yeah. Also, there's a midfielder named Fred. <laughs> now, if, if you if you happen to watch the 2014 World Cup, there was a... Uh, or the 2010 World Cup. Or the 2010 World Cup. I hate to call him a man, <laughs> but there was a player by the name of Fred who was their striker and sucked. He was not good. This Fred is a midfielder. You, when you see him, he will visually look different than the other Fred. Not the same Fred. Just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I know everybody was really on the edge of their seats with, with that one, <laughs> recalling the previous iterations of Fred. Uh, I, just, I find it interesting. We listed off a lot of talent. Uh, didn't even talk about the forward talent they called up, including Neymar, Gabriel Jesus, and Roberto Firmino. It's a lot of talent. I don't see how they, they, they clearly can't get everybody on on the, the pitch at the same time. And I think outside of the fact that it's a lot of uh, of skilled players that don't play as a team, it's a lot of personalities to try to fit into eleven positions. I agree. And kind of on that note, I actually think Danny Alves being out. Well, obviously that sucks for Danny Alves. I, I never cheer for a player to get hurt. Tear their ACL. This is their livelihood. We 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 didn't even want Neymar to get injured. That's not even a joke. Yeah, did not want that. I actually think Danny Alves being out though will have some positive repercussions. And then I think when I was watching the round of friendlies a few months ago, he was a liability at right back. I mean, he was he doesn't he doesn't track back with the same tenacity. You know what I mean? He just doesn't no. have the same energy he used to as a younger player. And I think he is one of those strong personalities. I mean, he was yeah. involved in the Neymar and uh, oh, who's the caveman guy? Cavani. Cavani bust up. He like inserted himself and took Neymar's side. Danny Alves is like Neymar's henchman. He's he's kind of like the um, you know the if. Neymar is the Bond villain. Danny Alves, Alves is, is, his, is his go. Okay, <laughs> you go a little cast his go to um, goon that does okay. the dirty work for him. Yeah. The, um, to Danny Alves' credit, it's yes. real, what was really fucked up is one time a few years ago in a La Liga game we played for Barca, someone threw a banana at him. That's fucked up. That's never okay. That's racist. You're a piece of shit if you do that. But. Him picking up the banana and eating it was pretty funny. Yeah, Danny Alves does have one of my probably top five fan player interaction moments, and it's peeling the banana and eating the banana and then taking the corner kick. Yeah, that that I'm gonna give him that first credit, but I think his lack of his decline in pace, he, he doesn't track back as much. I think this is actually a good thing, and I think that kind of clears the way for Danilo yep. to be the starting right back. Danilo. Full of pace, he can attack, he can defend, he can he, he literally never runs out of energy. And this is a Manchester City player I'm talking about, so it pains me to say this, but he's a really fucking good right back. And you, you pair that with Marcelo on the on left, left back, who you know might be the, the best goal scoring left back, full back, definitely I think in this tournament. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's interesting for Brazil. It's it's a shame that that you know Danny Elvis had to have such a serious injury, but they might be the better for it. Uh, are there any other you know squads that have been announced that you wanted to go over? No squads, but I do have another injury report. Yeah, let's let's hear it. So my uh, my favorite to win the World Cup, France. Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> have lost uh, 
their veteran defender, Lauren Koshelny. <laughs> I don't ever know how to say his name. I believe it's Koshelny. Koshelny. He's the Arsenal defender. He ruptured his Achilles, which is a horrific injury. He's out for six months. This is another one where it doesn't take a doctor to tell you he's out. So is this a, a big deal for France? I mean, looking at, at Arsenal's defensive performances these last two years, they really haven't been stalwarts in the back. No, but I don't think that's his fault, necessarily. Like, I, I still think he's one of the better center backs in the Premier League. I think he's one of France's better center backs. He also is their most capped defender. So I actually think they're losing a lot of experience. A guy who started every game the 2012 Euro, 2014 World Cup, and 2016 Euro. That's all. That's, that is a lot of experience, especially for a squad that I don't think has that much World Cup experience behind exactly. it. Exactly. And so it's not ideal, and I think that means Varane will be paired with Umtweedy. Umtudi. Umtidi? Umtidi. There you go. There we go. Donnie struggles with the French names. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's okay. And we're working on he's it. He's solid. I mean, he's not bad. He's a good... I mean, he's pacey. He's a pacey center back, but... I think they're going to lose a lot of leadership. And why I think leadership is important is because France has a lot of personalities. Well, I think, and too... And by a lot of personalities, I mean, France has Paul Pogba <laughs> on their team. And I think there needs to be kind of a veteran presence... To kind of help chill him out a little bit. No, I think I think you're you're right on there with the personalities and leadership. I think there's actually a couple instances in the game where leadership's really important too, not just in the locker room. And you think about how a lot of these you know underdog teams in the group stages score their goals. It's offset pieces and a defensive leader. You know, I know they have Hugo Lloris, who's going to be able to organize his team on those set pieces. But you always need that that marshal in the field as well. That, that guy in the back line that can help make sure everybody stays organized. And I think that's where we're going to see France become a little weak, especially as they start to play more talented teams. I agree. I'm, this is not good for me. I also have an injury update, and my update is also on the team I picked to be the favorite for the World Cup. And this is uh, Germany. Um, first off, we're a month out, so there's still plenty of time for Marco Royce to... Uh, to have his own his knees just wreck him over again, but I'm praying that that, that doesn't happen. He, um, he so deserves. He got to go screwed. His his body screwed him out of World Cup last time, and I, I want this for him. But the serious concern is uh, Manuel Neuer had surgery on a broken foot. I think it was maybe his right foot back in September. He still hasn't played a single game since the surgery. He is currently in camp. Um. But he hasn't played, and, and while a month back when we taped that first pod, uh, people were pretty confident that he was going to be the starter. We're now starting to hear rumors out of the German camp and German media that uh, Marc-Andre Tristergen is looking to be the, uh, the number one goalkeeper for the German national team. And while Tristergen's a, a great goalkeeper, he is not one of the three best in the world, which Manuel Neuer is. So, interesting that... We talked about three favorites in the in the first ep- the first episode. Those three favorites being our two picks, France and Germany, and the team we definitely aren't picking in Brazil. And those have three pretty serious injury updates, uh, all for their backline or goalkeeping abilities. And I mean, when it comes to the World Cup, there's a good correlation between a team that's going to keep a lot of clean sheets and a team that's going to advance. So. That's not good. Yeah. I mean, you think back to the, the Spain World Cup. Mm, 2010? Great goalkeeping, solid defense. One, one goal one, games. One, one goal games. <laughs> um, so that's, that, that, that goes the whole way in letting you know. 
So we have a, a new segment. Um, when Donnie and I sent the podcast out to uh, our beloved listeners and to the listeners that begrudgingly listen to us, um, we tried to include ways for you guys to give us feedback and reach back out to the pod. And one of those being the uh, email address for the podcast. We're, a, a Twitter account is pending. By yeah, the way. we have to get verified. It's <laughs> taken a whole process. Um, there is some, some Russian hacking that went on that has really delayed the process, but we're working on it for you guys. Uh, we want to make it clear that we are not interfering with any elections. Uh, so the, the email address for the mailbag is uh, owngoalpod at gmail.com. And I want to give a shout out to my boy, Pijinho. For the first ever podcast mailbag uh, entry. Yeah, so uh, Pajino emailed us, and I'll read the email. Hey guys, long time listener, which is not possible. <laughs> Does that mean he's been stalking us? <laughs> first time texter. This is an email. First question, he, he says, he says five questions. First question, why no love for Thomas Muller for Golden Boot? That's a that's a fair point. I think Thomas Muller does well for his club team, does well for Bayern yeah. Munich, and he turns it on for the World Cup. So yeah, I mean, I, if you told me Thomas Muller was going to win the Golden Boot, I wouldn't think you're an idiot. I don't think that's a bad opinion. I think certainly very possible. Um, I think Eric, he's your you know he's part of your team. Yeah, I uh, I, I I I mean Preston, I I know you um, you raise a good a good point. I mean, you look up the list of top World Cup goal scorers, and you know you've got Miroslav Klose and Ronaldo. You know, at, Fat at the top, Ronaldo. Fat Ronaldo, the OG Ronaldo. Uh, but three, four entries down that list is Thomas Mueller, who scored ten goals in the World Cup, and he's still incredibly young. So we we didn't leave him off because we don't think he's going to produce. Uh, I think Germany's going to win the World Cup, and therefore their whole team is going to be scoring a solid amount of goals. I just think there are going to be other goal scorers who are better pure strikers, who are more and more crucial for their team to score goals, which means they're going to have more opportunities to score those goals. Uh, so I think that was a great question. Uh, I just you know don't think he's going to be the number one guy, but I think he will be in contention. Yeah. So second question is you want you want me to read it and yeah. you answer yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. What is the chance Rento Sanchez? And I think by that. Pino met Renato Sanchez, the, uh, the, young, the, young, young the young Portuguese international, who ripped it in the Euros in 26. So what's the chance that Renato Sanchez plays like the Euros? Yeah, so first of all, plays like the Euros. Preston, we really got, you just graduated from law school. I really hope this is not how you're going to prep and send out your amicus briefs. But we will uh, we'll, we'll work on that in a little bit. Um, I'd say that the chances of Renato Sanchez playing like he did in the Euros is absolutely zero, considering he did not make their preliminary roster of 35 players, which means there is just about no way that Portugal is going to be able to call up Renato Sanchez. Um, so he'll be playing zero minutes in this World Cup, whereas he was the, uh, the young player of the year in the 2016 Euro tournament. Yeah, he really had a dramatic fall from grace. So he was out on loan to Swansea this year in the Premier League. Swansea was relegated. <laughs> I think they got dead last place. Uh, no, oh, they 19th? got no, they got they it's got eighteenth. They got eighteenth actually. Because Stoke okay. got Stoke got uh, yeah. That's right. That's right. They were the third worst team in the Premier League. 
And he wasn't even getting on the pitch for them. <laughs> so that's that was a dramatic fall from Grace. Yeah. Fall. Thank God, man, you did not play. <laughs> um, yeah. What's really funny is Man United, Donnie's team, and then AC Milan, my team, were two of the teams, the two teams that wanted to purchase him outright from Bayern Munich. They instead wanted to loan him off, so they sent him to Swansea, where he uh, struggled to get playing time. He might even be dead, honestly. <laughs> we don't wish that on anybody, though. No. Uh, so the third question, and Preston, we got to work on your syntax, man. When am I happy when Mexico is gone is uh, P. Hino's uh, third question. I think he's asking when do we think Mexico will be eliminated? Yeah, because my answer to when am I happy when Mexico is gone is going to be when Mexico is eliminated. Um, I actually think there's a chance they don't make it out of their group. I I completely agree. Their group is, what, Germany, them, Sweden... Oh, update on Sweden. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sweden has officially said that Zlatan will not play in the World Cup. And I think that is absolute fucking bullshit from the Swedish FA. If Zlatan wanted to play, you should let him play. He's your country's greatest ever player. If that Ronaldo wanted to play for Brazil, Brazil should fucking allow it. If 90-year-old Pele, like, they should fucking allow it. He's your greatest ever player. And that you're going to say no? So that's bullshit. So I'm no longer on the Sweden bad wagon. I want nothing good for them. <laughs> bad wagon? <laughs> I don't know. I'm no longer with Sweden. I'm against Sweden. I would like it to say, while while Donnie may not be rooting for Sweden, and I was never rooting for Sweden, I think they are now a better team without Zlatsy on the pitch, and they are going to be more competitive in the group stick. Yeah, but their ratings are going to suck now. So I'll take that. I mean, it's a, it's a U.S. <laughs> World Cup without the United States in it. I think the ratings are going to suck for Fox. But, sorry. Zlatan update aside... Germany, Sweden, Mexico, South Korea. That's a Mexico may not advance. No, uh, I think I think my picks are going to be Germany and Sweden. Um, I also think South Korea's got some pacey talented players. Um, that being said, Mexico's got some pacey talented players. Uh, we'll actually touch on that in a, in a few seconds. But if Mexico advances second in their group, they would play the first place team in Group E, I believe, which would be Brazil. probably Brazil. Brazil or Switzerland. Um, Costa Rica and Serbia are the other two teams in that group. Um, I know I've, I've been a fan of, of a lot, of, a couple of the Swiss players. I think they're very talented, but Brazil's probably going to come out first in that group. So I'm, I'm going to regret this because you know well, I'm going to I'm going to make a prediction that's just not going to happen. I'm going to be so fucking pissed. Yeah. in a month and a half. But I think the farthest Mexico has an absolute chance is the round of sixteen. And whoever they face in the round of 16 is going to be better. I would hands down take Brazil or Switzerland over Mexico. Yeah, and, and that's assuming they even get out of their group. Yep. So I think you'll be happy very early on in the tournament, Pequeno. Uh, next question, <laughs> Eric. This one is directed right at you. Eric, why do you hate me? So hate is a, is a strong word. Um, like I said, said before, this podcast is anti-Namar. This podcast is anti-slavery. Never once said this podcast is anti-Pijinho. Yeah. Uh, I love that you've got some Brazilian ancestry with the Pijinho last name. Um, you know, there's no, no, no hatred here. And Preston, I would even like to offer you the invitation to appear as one of our first guest podcasters when your schedule allows to clear the air. You have until May 21st to respond by email to this invitation. Otherwise, it's totally invalid. That being said, I think you're fucking idiotic for thinking Lewandowski is the best striker in the world. (laughs) Question number five. 
why the really long outro music? I waited thinking there would be some sort of Avengers post-credit scene. I think we should put in a post-credit scene every now and again and see who listens to it. <laughs> like, like say the first person to email one of us at the uh, podcast email. That's owngoalpod at gmail.com is going to uh, win a prize or something. Yeah. Or something good could happen. Yeah. They'll, uh, they'll win a, a special special surprise courtesy of the uh, Own Goal Podcast Boys. Yeah. All right. So what's our next segment? So we, uh, we took a few minutes to kind of pull together a uh, player watch. This is either a young or, or pretty much unknown player um, that we think could do some exciting or things or have a really good uh, you know, tournament. Like uh, and I know last episode we talked about the potential Darlene. And I, we talked about Mo Salah and, and some guys like that. These aren't necessarily going to be guys that are going to you know uh, you know change the game and take over the entire World Cup. But I think players that can impress some people and maybe even earn themselves a move to a bigger club at the end of, the, of, of this cycle. Yeah. So um, my player is Sardar Azmoun. He's a 23 year old for the Iranian national team. He plays for a Ruben Kazan that's in the Russian Premier League. So he's 31 appearances for Iran. He scored 23 goals in those 31 appearances. And I think he's in the country's like sixth or fifth all-time top goal scorer already. People in Iran are going crazy for this dude. They call him the Iranian Messi. Sometimes they call him the Iranian Zlatan. But here's what you need to know. He's an attacking player, striker. He's got great close control dribbling, which or why there's the messy comparisons, and he's great in the air, you know, kind of like Slatan. Over the last couple of years, he's been linked with Liverpool, Milan, and Lazio, but unfortunately, he doesn't do as hasn't done as well for Ruben Kazan as he does for his national team. Okay. So national team, you know, you get 23 goals and 31 appearances, but you know, has a hat trick against Macedonia. A brace against Guam, a brace against India. Yeah, he's lesser he hasn't really scored against the... Exactly. Whereas, like, if his club team, 27 games, 5 goals. You know, he's a young player. I don't know how many of those are uh, substitutions, by the way. So, I guess that should be noted. But, I we, ran... we did some research. We didn't do a lot of research before this episode. Yeah, that's, that's my bad. I ran... The people there love this guy. Excuse me, there's a lot of, uh... A lot of pressure on him, a lot of expectation. So he's a guy I'd love to see have a good World Cup and get that move to a bigger team. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a great pick. I like your pick a lot more than like mine. Um, and yeah, I once again, this is a player's young guy on a team that I really don't care for, and that's the Mexico national team. But if you look back to the last couple uh, competitive matches that Mexico's played, uh, this young kid Irving Lozano, twenty two years old, he's a, a left winger. Plays for PSV Eindhoven in the uh, Dutch Eredivisie, which is their their top league over there. This season, he's had 28 appearances and scored 17 goals in those appearances. Which I think would be a good rate, goal scoring rate for a striker, but let alone a winger. That's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I think the scouting report on this guy is pretty heavily stays on the left wing. Um, kind of one-footed with that right foot and just likes to kind of, you know, whip in those balls. Yes, whipping in those balls. Uh, he has a great nickname, though. Yeah, what is that? His nickname is Chucky. <laughs> what, is these, what is with these Mexican players and their nicknames? You've got Chicharito, which means a little green pea. Irving Lozano is, uh, is Chucky. Do you think the lack of nicknames for the U.S. team is why we didn't go to the World Cup? Yes, that is 100% what caused our, our failure. 
So I'm glad we covered that. But just to get back to, to his uh, goal-scoring record in the Eredivisie, this is a, a very technically gifted, uh, structurally sound league. Um, you know, a lot of talent has come out of there. Luis Suarez, Latani Ibrahimovic. <clears throat> uh, I think Wesley Snyder. Wesley Snyder. A lot of the Dutch players all came out of there. I mean, a lot of good young players come out of the Eredivisie. Yeah, so it's, it's impressive to see what he's done this season. Um, I think he can kind of parlay that into a strong showing at the World Cup and then, you know, maybe get a move to the Premier League or, or maybe over to La Liga or Serie A after this. Uh, I think there were rumors of, of the Manchester clubs kind of scouting him out last summer but not really making a move yet. Would, would be interested to see what happens after. Yeah, so I think that is it for our player watch, which means we now have to go to... A Twitter announcement. So if you follow me on Twitter, which if you don't, you can at, at Donnie Maz, D O N I M A Z. Uh, I tweeted that if someone who listened to our podcast would get a chance to win a date with Eric, and I didn't really ask Eric if that was okay, I just kind of did it. But yeah, I kind of just got pimped out for the podcast. But we are happy to announce that the competition does have its first winner. And who's that winner? Archie Viravalli. Would you please, you know, come forward and claim your reward? You have a uh, one free evening of a uh, dinner and dancing with eGates84. However, the terms and conditions, I will uh, defer that to our lo- the podcast's chief legal correspondent. Yes. While I am the chief legal correspondent, it's important that I say right now that I am not a lawyer, I am not a licensed lawyer, and I'm giving nobody any legal advice. Correct. He just represents us in all legal matters. (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) That's a joke. Uh, But, Archie, you can get, you can cash in for a meal of up to $100 of your choosing. $100 total, not each. $100 total, and Eric will at least have to slow dance with you twice. But you have to be in Austin by May 25th to claim the reward. Yes. All right. I think that wraps up our Twitter competition announcement, please. Like I said, we're, we're Twitter pending for our Twitter page for the pod, but that's another way you could reach us if but, you don't want to use the email address. But, yeah, feel free to throw a follow at, 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 at Donnie Moz. <laughs> Or you, I mean, you can follow at eGates84. I think I have like three total tweets in my three years of Twitter existence. Um, so I'm slowly, slowly growing that, that footprint. Um, but moving on to the, the real bulk of the, the podcast, I think we've been subconsciously delaying and avoiding for the entirety of tonight. And that is the, uh, as Donnie in his prep so eloquently put it, why did the USA blow it? Yeah. Why did the USA not make it to the World Cup in the weakest region, arguably? Yeah, I think, you know, you have um, Oceania. Yeah. Arguably the weakest, but they get like one spot and a play-in spot. We get three automatic spots and a play-in, which means... Out of six teams, we needed to finish fourth, and we couldn't. And not only did we fail to finish fourth in three of our last two of our last three games, we drew against fifth place, and we drew against fourth place, 
and we lost to sixth place with us taking fifth. Uh, that's Honduras in fourth, Trinidad and Tobago in sixth. So the question we, we want to ask is, you know, and I guess discuss amongst ourselves while you guys listen to us um, for some reason. Why did the USA blow it? I think there's kind of each answer that we have is related in some way to each other. I think we, we just have different opinions on which was more of a direct cause. Yeah, you want me to go? Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> Soccer culture. It's almost not hyperbole. I believe you mean hyperbole? <laughs> yeah. It's almost not hyperbole to say that every other country on Earth's number one or number two sport is soccer. If soccer isn't their number one sport, it's probably their number two sport in terms of popularity. What about Australia that goes rugby and then cricket? I said it's almost not. <laughs> okay. I was thinking of, my two that I was thinking of, my allies were Australia and Canada, actually. Or, or India as well. But in the U.S., growing up, kids don't think... I want to win the World Cup one day. That's like my dream when I'm seven years old. And I have a picture of a bunch of soccer players. That's just not how it is. Other countries... Just because that's not how you were as a child doesn't mean that's not how we all were as a child, don't Actually, I was like that as a child. I did want to win the World Cup from an early age. So you're proving your own point wrong. I'm, I think I'm in the minority on that. But anyway, Eric being an ass aside... Uh, you know, kids... In America, we growing up, we want to play football and basketball are the top two. Yeah. And then Baseballs. baseball and yeah. then in the North hockey. It, I'm just saying, like, I just – soccer is not high up on the list of sports kids want to play. And partly because in America, you can't make money playing soccer. The way you can't – like, in Europe, you can make comparable money to our sport, to the American sports. Make more. More, actually, playing European soccer. But – our culture is geared so that our best athletes don't play soccer. Whereas other countries, their best athletes are focused on playing soccer. And that already gives other countries an advantage over us. I mean... From the get-go. I think... And yes and no. I... I not to cut you off, but to cut you off. <laughs> um, you know, you don't see their best 6'4", 6'5", 6'8", athletes playing soccer. You know, I, I think you're you're looking at these basketball players that are six eleven and, and dropping windmill dunks on the fast break. They don't fit anywhere on on the soccer field. Okay, sure, you're right. Uh, okay, what about football players? What about cornerbacks in football? Okay, a speed position that you have to have great body coordination. Odell Beckham Jr. You want to see Odell Beckham Jr. as a goalie? Fuck, Odell Beckham Jr. could probably play any position he wanted if he had played from when he was a kid. I'm not talking about just NBA players. No, no. And, I, and a 6'4 Russell Westbrook could absolutely be a center back. Change my mind. Uh, Russell Westbrook would not have the mentality to play as a center right, back. Right, he'd be a great goal scorer. Okay, look at Ronaldo's a perfect. Ronaldo's probably the best Portuguese athlete in terms of raw, not yeah. even what he's a complete. Talking about raw, raw athleticism. Ability. Yeah, his his speed when he was younger, his hop still, how high, he, like, and he played soccer. That's that would that will never happen with us. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree that. That's an issue that separates us from the competitive teams in the world. But I, I think you're looking one step too high. I don't think it's what separates us from the most competitive countries in the world that, that prevented us from reaching the World Cup. I think, you know, we, we've made, what, eight successive World Cups before this? I, I'm Please fact check me on that number. I know that it's not exactly that number, but it's around there. 
and each year, each each four year cycle prior to now, our soccer culture was worse and worse and worse as you move back in time. Which means every year it was getting better and better and better. Our soccer culture this this round was better than it was four years ago when we qualified. Better than it was eight years ago when we qualified. So I don't think our shitty soccer culture is the reason that that we blew it. Uh, unlike Donnie, I don't want to blame our fan base, our avid listeners. I love you guys, even you, Pihino. Um, but I think the issue is what is different this time around. What what did or didn't our guys do this time that's different from la- from last times? And as much as I hate to agree with a jackass like Alexi Lawless, this it, is a huge anti Alexi Lawless. Yeah, podcast. I can't stand that that fucker, but. The hubris amongst the entire U.S. men's soccer machine. Uh, I don't want it to sound like I'm just singling out the players, uh, but I am definitely calling out the players. But I think it goes way beyond that. I think you look at, and this is the first time we've brought mentioned this in, in the, our podcast, but the firing of Jurgen Klinsmann. The United States was not competitive against Costa Rica in that 4 nothing blowout loss. We didn't look great, but we didn't get blown out by Mexico either in those first two games. And what, what did the U.S. Soccer Committee do, or Federation? They fired Jurgen Klinsmann and brought in somebody that in the late 90s and early 2000s had a successful stint with the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, MLS Bruce, or, or Bruce Arena. Um, MLS Bruce. MLS Bruce is he's uh, not so affectionately known uh, by our podcast, and I was I I was immediately horrified by this fire and hire switch. Uh, that being said, I was telling all of our friends, all anybody that would ask me about soccer, we're definitely still going to qualify for the World Cup, but we're fucked when we get to the World Cup. So I guess the real joke is on me uh, for for that one, but. We hired somebody that saw CONCACAF as what it was in the 90s and in early 2000s and didn't change his, his scheme, style, or structure any way, shape, or form and attacked it that way. We brought in players who knew we had to win. We had to win all of our game, all of our remaining games against the lower half of the Hex. And they came out there. That last game against Trinidad when all we needed was a tie – there were two out of, I don't know, 14 players when you count subs. Two players tried. One was the you know 18-year-old Christian Pulisic. Who, by the way, I'm going to get into the point a little bit later. It's so American and so ridiculous to put all that pressure oh, yeah. on an 18-year-old kid oh, to God. carry you. No, it's absurd. That, and that goes back to my point about culture. My point about culture is more than just interest in soccer. It's our attitude... As Americans, we have like this. It's attitude, but I'll get to yeah. that later. I just wanted to mention. That. And the the second player, the guy that actually showed the most amount of fight and desire, was somebody who was you know one foot kind of into retirement in the international scheme. Um, United States, you know, tied all time goal scorer Clint Dempsey. He he fought tooth and nail every minute he was on, on the pitch. Hit the post. He hit the post. God, he hit the post. But honestly, we didn't deserve to win that game. No, and we didn't. The better, the better team, the better team on that day won the game. Absolutely. And I see player the guys that we that we fielded maybe not so much on the back line, 
but you know, midfielding and, and, and attacking players with the talent of Pulisic, of Dempsey, of Altidore, um, somebody that I think is really talented, uh, Michael Bradley. They, they they didn't they didn't play they didn't show up, um, and that I think is why we lost. I think it was stupid, stupidly arrogant of U.S. Soccer to freak out and fire Jurgen Klinsmann, a coach that they were looking for any excuse to get rid of. It was such an insecure move, too. It just showed so much insecurity. Like a, like a teenager. Like that level of insecurity to panic after two games. Yeah. Uh, and then and then that kind of bled throughout the squad. I think Bruce Arena was arrogant and cocky about the hex, about CONCACAF qualifying for the World Cup. And, well, yeah, he um, treated it like it was just the MLS. Oh, I've won so many MLS Cups, I can do this. Well, you have you pay the best, and you get the best players. In the words, in the words of uh, of Julius Campbell from Remember the Titans, attitude reflect leadership. It's a great quote. It's a great quote. Uh, I'm gonna hop off of my my soapbox on on Bruce Arena and the the powers that be in U.S. soccer, but I think Donnie, you wanted to talk about the team selection. Yeah, I did, and. I want to just mention one thing real quick first, and it's that this. The reason why in previous years our soccer culture didn't bite us is because the world is a lot smaller now than it was then. These these other countries have gotten better resources in identifying their more athletic, talented players. I think that's why it's kind of caught up with us more than it has then. Now, if you can play professional sports, you probably do play – you probably do or will. It's and some of these smaller countries, it's harder for their more talented players to go unnoticed. Exactly. Um, and I think that's had an impact here. They're, they're looking for a needle in a smaller haystack. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's, that's what I'm saying. I actually have a, a question for you that, that builds off of that. Um, it's no doubt that in the past, you know, five, six years, as a league itself, while still not with the powers in Europe, MLS is a much more competitive, a better run league. Right. Um, what I was wondering is... Do you actually think that MLS being a better, more competitive league is worse for, for U.S. soccer uh, on an international level? I do in two ways. It's twofold. It's worse first because our players are playing in MLS when they should be playing in Europe. Yeah. The I mean, best play- Brazil's best players play in Europe. They, Argentina's best players play in Europe. The best players in the world Play in Europe. Yeah, you look at you look at Brazil and Argentina for an example. Uh, you know, Sergio Aguero may have gotten discovered in Argentina, but he quickly went over to Europe. And then that's where he developed. Na- Neymar, Neymar discovered in Brazil, then went to Europe. Messi discovered in Argentina, went to Europe. James Rodriguez discovered in Colombia, went to Europe. Yeah, no, I I, I completely agree. Um, I think that you know, I have no issue with with somebody maybe a little bit older. Um, moving back to MLS, especially when uh, one an MLS team will play, pay an American twice the rate a European. Absolutely, player. you have a family, you have yeah. children. Like you need to look out for your own. I don't criticize that. My problem is with young players. Jordan Morris. Oh man! <coughs> wow, Eric Koff, Jordan Morris. In case you couldn't tell, the uh, he's so Jordan Morris uh, bust onto the the national scene at age of twenty one as this electric, um, fast, you know, striker that would take on just any defender and, and put dangerous balls in the box and score goals. 
and he um, got signed, you know, an entry-level contract to Seattle and MLS, but also had a, a workout with a, a German club in Werder Bremen that had uh, has a good history of a recent history of bringing on Americans. Yeah, and um, Donnie, what did he do after off being offered uh, a contract to sign with Werder Bremen? It breaks my heart because I love the way Jordan Morris plays, but. Jordan Morris isn't the disease. He's just another symptom of it. Donnie didn't answer my question. He decided to stay in MLS with Seattle instead of going over to Europe. Um, and while I agree, he's not. He's not. He's not the disease. No shit. He is emblematic of the issue. Yeah. Uh, I just you know think that's that's one of the issues. But my real um, thought behind. MLS actually being detriment to U.S. soccer is when you look at the CONCACAF qualifying, Yeah, it's made all but one of our opponents so much stronger. Yeah, because they all have a better league to play in. MLS isn't a good league if you compare it to Europe, but if you compare it to the Trinidad and Tobago League, the Honduras League, yep. yeah, MLS blows those leagues out of the water. If you look at those guys starting... Lineups, where are their best players play? They play in they MLS. They play in MLS or they play in Mexico. Yeah. And so Mexico was the one team that you know almost all of their players are either in Liga MX or play over in Europe. Yeah. Um, but their best players play in Europe. But Costa Rica now, Honduras, Panama, even TNT, their best players now play in the, in the MLS. And I think that – I'm not saying it's made their teams as good as the United States – but what it's done is close the talent gap to where there's less margin for error for us. Yep. And, and so I just thought that was that's interesting. I, I'm all for MLS getting younger, scouting you know more exciting talent. I just think it's interesting to note that that in, in a way is making it more difficult for us. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the squad selection. Yeah. I want to look at the black four for the one. Because honestly, we didn't lose the 2-1 loss to Trinidad and Tobago. That's not where we didn't make the World Cup. In my opinion... The 1-1 draw to Honduras. The 1-1 draw in September of 2017 to Honduras. We had played them in March of that same year at home, and we beat them 6-0. People always talk about how playing a road games in CONCACAF is so difficult and unlike anything in, you know, in Europe. Um, with the conditions, the travel conditions, the humidity, and the, the actual quality of the of the fields, I think that's fucking horseshit. Yeah, no, I think that's an excuse. I think you go. I think you go play a road game in you know some of these small countries in Europe, and you see the same level of fervor and excitement. Fans, you know, pulling fire alarms in hotel rooms and things like that that you see all over the world. Uh, you, I. <laughs> I saw some qualifying games where guys were literally playing in mud over in Europe. I don't think the those road games you you have to beat the teams that are far inferior to you on a skill level, whether it's home or on the road. And Honduras, and this is no disrespect to the country of Honduras. I don't mean to. If you're Honduran and you're listening to this podcast, which I have a feeling is extremely unlikely, I'm not trying to disrespect Honduras, but USA is fucking better than Honduras. They're way fucking better than Honduras. So how do we tie them one one? Well, let's look at the back four for that game. I understand... Okay, now I understand that Yedlin was out because of injury. Injury. But still, you have Zuzi. Graham Zuzi, who has been a career midfielder with no <laughs> no pace as a midfielder. <laughs> yeah, maybe the slowest man I've ever seen in my life as your right back. A man who might be slower than Michael Bradley. Which is astounding. 
He's your right back. Matt Beasler, a, another guy who had an opportunity to go to the MLS in his prime, right after the 2014 World Cup, and instead... He made a guy that had a chance to go to Europe in his prime. What did I say? He said MLS. Whoops. Yes. Chance to go to Europe in his prime, instead stayed... Stayed home. Stayed home in Kansas. Sporting KC, I believe. You have Omar Gonzalez, who should not be starting teams for starting games for the national team. But I get why he starts. MLS Bruce trusts him. MLS Bruce won MLS Cups. With MLS, MLS Omar. Omar. <laughs> at, at LA Galaxy. So he trusts him. So he, yeah, a coach is going to play players that he trusts. And then you call up... No. Beasley? Demarcus Beasley. At left back? Who, who is what? 105? <laughs> Spent the majority of his career playing as a striker, and then when he lost his athleticism, he moved over to left back, where, you know, he wasn't our worst left back for a few years, but he's, he's like 42, 38. His actual age is 35, but he's retired like two times. He retired from international soccer at least once before, he's retired again, the I believe he fell on the ground six times in that game against Honduras, and I'm, I'm honestly not even making that up. I've seen DeMarcus Beasley fall on the ground in his last four years playing soccer more than I've seen him kick the ball. <laughs> Damn. That is... That's true, though! And and I think you might... You can say it all funnels up to, to soccer culture, and sure, it does at some level, but I think that that is an, ex- an example of the hubris of... MLS Bruce. Of, 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 of U.S. soccer, of, of MLS Bruce and his squad selection. I will say this. He started playing for the national team in 2001 when MLS Bruce was the coach in his first stint, so he's just a player that MLS Bruce trusted. Yeah. Does MLS Bruce not understand that in the early 2000s to 2017-18, like a good 10 to 15 years past, like... Is, is he just living in the past? Like, it's just kind of driving me insane. I feel like I'm on crazy pills. It's driving me insane. How, do you, how can you feel that back for? How can Jeff Cameron not start for you? A guy who starts for a Premier League team. Now, I think Jeff... I know Jeff was battling some injuries, but I do know in our last two games against Trinidad... Um, well, I know we played Panama. We won't beat them 6 nothing, But our final game, we played Trinidad. He left Jeff Cameron on the bench. And uh, because Bruce said there were injury concerns, whereas Jeff Cameron said, doctor said I was healthy. I said I was healthy. Uh, Bruce didn't, didn't start me. And then the following week, I played a full 90 minutes for my club team. Yeah, so. in the English Premier League, we're getting hacked at every two yeah. minutes. Uh, so I know that we really – I think we've kind of given our answers. We don't really have, I think, much more to say about why the U.S. failed. I – Want to want to find a stopping point, or else it's going to really spiral out of control with a lot of negativity. I'm depressed. Yeah. Um, so this has been the uh, Own Goal Podcast, episode two. Thanks uh, for listening. Really appreciate. Um, as we mentioned, we are working on the social media. We have a uh, an email account for the podcast set up. We have a, a staffed intern that keeps an eye on it. Please send you know any questions or feedback to ownGoalPod at gmail.com as we did today um, if we get some questions and feedback we're, we will throw in some you know mailbag segments where we'll kind of respond to your you know your questions yeah so uh, thanks guys have a good one mm-hmm.
I was sitting wishing in this barren desert wasteland all alone Hoping that mirages were in some type of scene I've come to know She whispered closely, told me this is all that we could ever be But none of me would be the enemy and destroy our destiny listening to the pod this is our first post credits reward giveaway also you don't have a life if you just or you really like box of my love by yoni but uh so if you're listening still now send an email to owngoalpod at gmail.com you can send this email anytime first person send the email with the subject line own goal winner one own goal winner one i'll venmo you five bucks so include your venmo name in the body of the email and then the intern will give it to me and we'll email you five bucks, so good job, you won five bucks. Surrender your core I'll give you bombs of my love